up, Mets fans? Happy Thursday, Orange or Blue, Thing, Season 3, Episode 11, out here on Long Island. I am Darren Mean, and that is Mr. Petey Mac, Pete McCarthy. What's up, Pete? What's up? How we doing? Hot off the heels of another, not even another, because they lost last night, but a big W today out at City Field. We got Lizzie fielding the phone calls behind the scenes. What's up, Lizzie? What's up? 631-388-5195 is the number to call. And if you were out there at City Field last Friday... You sat through a three-hour rain delay to watch the Mets, and uh, you may have missed your chance to win the Put It in the Books, not win, but get a Put It in the Books t-shirt at the ballpark. So uh, if you, you earned it if you went. If you went and you got one, great. <laughs> if, you, if you wanted one and you didn't get one, we have some to give away for free. So share the show right now. Tell your friends you're watching Orange and Blue Thing. We're going to have the man himself, Howie Rose, yeah. on a little bit later on. I chat with him at the ballpark this past Monday. It was a great convo from the seats. He actually said it was his first time ever sitting in the seats at City Field. So it's that's amazing. cool. We'll get that in a little bit. So share the show right now if you wanted one of the Put It In The Book shirts. Thanks to the Mets for hooking us up. Uh, share the show on Facebook. Retweet if you're watching right now on Twitter. If you're listening afterwards, got nothing for you. Uh, Pete, what's up, man? How you feeling? I'm good. It's nice to already have a win in the books, as it were, with Howie being on the show later, right? Like, yeah. come in. They, they won one nothing. Noah Syndergaard, the, the Little League game, a home run, complete game shutout. And they desperately needed that because, let's say he went eight innings. I don't think Mickey Calloway knew who the heck was going to throw the ninth inning. Well, so. the bullpen's taxed. So I actually yeah. put a tweet out. I think it was 11-15 this morning. said, the bullpen is taxed. We need a complete game No today. Edwin Diaz. No Seth Lugo. Yeah, yeah. Juris Familia is on the injured list. And it actually so. happened. Who's left? Nostradamus over here. So, um, yeah, he, he, he made it happen. He swung the bat and, and uh, also threw a bunch of strikes today. But we needed it. Like you said, last mm-hmm. night and Monday, Diaz in the ninth, shaky. I don't know what it is about him coming in and tie games, but... You sat on the car ride over here. You're not worried about DS. No, he'll be fine one way or the other. And it's not like those were performances where he's given up a bunch of walks, and there's a bunch of base runners, and it's a three-run homer. They're two solo home runs. Now, if he keeps giving up homers and all of a sudden he's given up you know, seven of them in June, maybe it's something that you, you worry about a little bit more. But to me, they're like kind of two freak incidents that happen in the same week. I, I'm not sweating Edwin Diaz here. It's kind of the nature of the game today, right? Everybody's hitting home yeah. runs, balls flying out of all these parks. Uh, so I actually thought, even though the Mets, they lost the series with the Brewers and only split against the Reds and the two losses against the Reds for those frustrating games right, where right. Could have easily know, won Edwin four Diaz given home, given up uh, you know, home runs to lose it late. I, I actually thought it was a good week for the Mets overall because Jacob deGrom, wasn't quite Jacob DeGrom the other day, but he still threw seven scoreless innings, so it's good to have him back on track. And Noah Syndergaard was phenomenal today. Maybe it's just the weather perking up a little bit, get that temperature going, but to get those two guys going, if you had, if you did worry about those two, and I think you know people were more concerned about Syndergaard than DeGrom, boy, they showed you that when they're going right, this team can can be pretty dangerous. I saw it on Twitter, and I know I know. Also, Gary mentioned it on the broadcast. This was the first start of the season that Noah had his hair down. He said he took five inches off the back, and he's also nice and clean shaved. So he yes. said he's never going to pitch with a beard again. And I guess he's going to leave. That's his good hair for down. everybody because yeah. <laughs> I don't think a beard was working for him. Noah, he's a good looking guy. You know, keep it clean shaven. I think it works for him. And then he had the sideways bun thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, whatever. But whatever the look was today, just stick with that. That exactly. that it is worked. what worked. It yeah. worked. 
Uh, shout I out to my wife, actually, who's behind the scenes here. Shouty to my wife. It's our anniversary today. So uh, the queen is in the building. We're going out to dinner after this. So uh, we got a whole uh, bunch of stuff planned for the anniversary. So I'm excited to celebrate after the show. But yeah, so exciting week. Not really, because we wanted to have the four <laughs> wins. But, like you said, positive notes across the board. Could have easily uh, taken all four, which would have been nice. But what about Winker? What's your yeah, thoughts on Winker? Say, we have a new villain, yeah, a new do. Mets villain. It's something that Reese, I think Reese we've is out. Been, Winker's in. Yeah, we've all been looking for it, right? It went from Chipper Jones and then very naturally right to Chase Utley. And once Utley retired, it's like, oh, who's the guy who you're going to line up for? You know, O'Brien didn't drop David Wright's pop-up last year, but that might have been a little forced. Uh, yeah. No fun at the time. So now here's Jesse Winker hitting the home run off Edwin Diaz and basically claps his heels together as he's going around the bases and, and really soaking it up. And he makes a nice catch to finish the game last night and immediately... Waving to the fans. Waving to the fans, starting the whole thing. And how satisfying that. was it today? Noah strikes him out, I think, three times. And then his last time gets up... Gets ejected. Gets ejected from the ball game. And as he's going to the dugout, Lizzie's all over. Everybody... Waving goodbye. I, like I was Jesse laughing Winker. at that TV today like, <laughs> bye. But, you know, I, I saw a split bag on the internet as far as people who like he's the new public enemy, number one, or people who actually liked it. They enjoyed it. I like when we have a rapport with an outfielder like Jock Peterson or, or whoever, where we're kind of going back and forth and it's fun natured and whatever. I don't think that that was that bad as far as the waving to the no, fans. See, I was kind of curious. Is that something that built up over the course of the night? Like, who were there people who in left field? Yeah. There weren't that many people there so he could probably hear hear everything that was being said and if somebody just said the wrong thing that reaction could be fun he kind of seemed like he's a little nutty I don't know much about Jesse Winker besides yeah he's a pretty decent power hitter for Cincinnati but like when he got run out of the game today and he he lost it and you know the way he celebrated the home run and the the catch last night it, it seemed a little Above and beyond, when why would you have any animosity towards the Mets? You're on the red, right, right, right. Jesse Winker. Right. Most of the fan base never even heard of you until now. I mean, the whole thing was just kind of odd to me. Maybe he's trying way. to make a name for himself. You saw how how the internet was crazy last week about uh, you know Reese. So uh, let's talk about another villain who was making waves yesterday. Surprisingly, at least to me, I don't know if this was a planned thing with a lot of notice here on the fan, but Chase Utley was on Boomer and and uh, Geo yesterday. And I guess we talked about this prior to going live. We didn't, weren't even really sure what he was there to promote, but he was there to promote something, yeah. something with MLB. But he was nice enough or cool enough <laughs> to say, yeah. Or put on the spot enough. He was put on the spot. I don't know if they talked to him prior. Al Dukes kind of gave him fair yeah. warning about, hey, you want to take some calls from Mets fans. But they opened up the lines and a few people got through. And it was all kind of vanilla, like, we hate you type of thing. But Kalise. Uh, she sits with the Seven Line Army. She uh, was in our calendar in 2014 or 2015. 15. 2015, I and think. And she had the call of the day. We're not going to play it now, but if you want to go on to um, our blog, you can you can replay it. But I thought it was great because she started it with like kind of pumping him up a little bit. He knew something was coming, but she goes, you know, I like all your work you do with dogs, all your work you do with kids, but... And then she's like... <laughs> but you broke our guy's leg. I like, think and you're that's slime, where, you know? That's where I'm going to end the positive talk. So mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. The yeah, rest yeah, of it yeah. was like, woo! He's a little dismissive with the, all right, sweetheart. Yeah. So, Follow yeah, up. of course. So he he just kind of sits back and sips his tea, kind of like, like that um, that Kermit gif. 
And um, he is a Bond villain, though. I liked it, though. You know, what he it, looks like, like a Bond villain. Like he would have been a, a diehard villain, like very easily. All you do give him like a slight German accent, and he would have been perfect for those kinds of spots. So. I kind of like that he's doubling down on it, though. He could have easily been like, you know what? My playing days are done. I played that way to maybe even just motivate myself in a certain way. But, you know, Chipper Jones. Take Chipper Jones, for instance. After his playing days are over, I feel like Mets fans, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but do you, did no. you dislike Chipper as a player? Well, I disliked him. But now... When he was younger... When the Mets got knocked out in 99, he turned around and said, oh, it's time for all the Mets fans to put on their Yankee hats. And just complete ignorance uh -huh. of how it works uh -huh. around here. But as time went on, if you remember, his last games at City Field, he was applauded. Like, he he turned things around to the point that, all right, he kicked our ass. Yeah. But He's not that much we of a respected dick. Yeah. the way that he played, <laughs> how he did it, and we're happy that he's gone and going to be gone. And I, I've talked about this before. My favorite interview I've ever done in my time, you know, the previous Mets flagship, did a, a long interview with him. He's phenomenal. He's funny. He kind of enjoys his place in uh, Mets uh -huh. history, and we'll have some Name fun with that. Shay. But Utley's different. Like, Utley broke Ruben Tejada's leg yeah. on a late slide. He's not going for the bag in that spot. Major League Baseball did not suspend him. The Mets tried to get their revenge the old-fashioned way, and Noah Syndergaard missed him. So it, it just, it, it'll always feel like there's unfinished business and hatred. And even when I interviewed Chipper Jones, it was a couple of days after the Ruben Tejada play, and he talked about how Utley was someone who you had to be mindful of when you came across the bag because Chipper, he would play third base, but they'd shift against Brian Howard. So Utley would often be on first base, and you knew when Utley was coming down on you because yeah, he yeah. had a reputation. Well, did you hear, I don't know, for those that may have missed it, they also you know, asked him if he ever tried to reach out to Ruben, and he said he did. He, he spoke him a with, bottle of tequila? No, no, he first reached out to oh, David okay. Wright and said, you know, I'd like to talk to him, and I guess oh. Ruben wasn't into it. So he sent, said, I sent him a really nice bottle of tequila as like, uh, I'm sorry, like, uh, hey, I broke your leg, let's do some shots type of thing. But um, what I found <laughs> interesting... And, and by the way, totally changed Ruben. Dehada's yeah. career, not that he was on some kind of star path right, here, right, but right. Ruben Dehada really hasn't been a major yesterday, league player since then. the fan was on fire yesterday because, well, two days ago well, was the drama. Uh, Francesa yeah. calling Boomer and Geo, and then yesterday morning they had Utley. Yesterday afternoon on Evan, uh, Joe and Evan, they had Wilmer Flores on. So Wilmer had a, a home run against the Yankees the other day, and he was on yesterday with the guys. They brought him in, uh, not in, on the line, mm -hmm. and they brought up the same thing. They said, you know, I don't know if you know, but this morning we had Utley on, or the guys had Utley on, and we were talking about the, the slide. And, and like, you know, let's put you on the spot here. What do you think? And he's like, yeah, it was dirty. He's like, I understand there's a difference between playing hard and playing hard and, and sliding 10 feet past the bag, and everyone yeah. knew that you know he kind of went over the line yeah there. it's that line of was utley trying to hurt ruben uh, tejada no but he's gonna do everything possible including put tejada's well-being at risk to try to you know be safe or, or break up the double play there at second base and that's a recklessness that you don't really see in today's game yeah. and when it happens against your team you're gonna call it what it is it's dirty and really it should have been dealt with major league baseball they eventually made the rule change mm. but they never dealt with utley well, that's why himself. terry was so fired up last year uh speaking of terry he's he you know not to change the subject here but terry's an analyst now Yeah, national analyst he's hanging putting, with kevin burkhart he's putting asses in jackpots for uh <laughs> fs1 um 
I'm talking my I'm talking your ear off right now. You didn't even get a chance to open your beer yeah, yet. I'm thirsty. Here. I opened up mine before we started. Which uh which road player do you want to pour this on? You know, Ryan Braun had kind of a, oh, yeah. a wet day at City Field <laughs> this weekend. So cheers, Pete. I am on the post no pills. Cheers. You are drinking the sold out United We Cheers. Let's do it. And let's give a shout out to our friends. I, I, that's such bad luck. I cheers and didn't sip. Hold on, please. Yeah, work on that. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, you saw, right? The beer. <sighs> yeah. Try to catch the home run in the beer and spilled it all over the ball player. At least, at least Braun seemed to laugh about it yeah. later. It was totally you know, accidental. It wasn't a bad guy. Because when you first see it, you're like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Mets fan not representing and you know pouring beer on people. And then you see what he did, and it's like, well, it was dumb to try to catch it at the cup, but I see what happened here. The social media handles had a good time with it. The Brewers yeah. wrote like, hey, we're the Brewers, but we don't want beer poured on us. And <laughs> the Mets kind of replied as well. Um, so head on over to McKellarNYC.com. Our friends at McKellar, they are the brewery. Attached to the ballpark, delicious beers. I am on the Post No Pills. Pete is on the United We Cheers. Lizzie's on the Say Hey Sally. I was going to ask when we're opening it because I was kind of thirsty. Yeah, it's my fault. I started early. I cracked the, cracked the cold one early today. So head on over to McKellarNYC.com. Check out all the different offerings they have to go through their Beer Here delivery service. And if you want to purchase anything and get a nice discount on us, use the discount code T7L20 for 20% off your delivery on anything McKellarNYC.com has in stock. And don't forget to pop in before or after a game like this morning, they were open at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. for the for the home game today, and then they they stay open two hours after the game. If you want to pop on in and have some beers to go, or um, beers to go, beers to stay. May 23rd, we were just chatting write about this. Write it down, circle your calendars. It is another day game on a Thursday in two weeks from today. Pete and I and uh, Lizzie, we're going to be out there at the game for the for the game. We're going to go inside and then do the show live from the brewery afterwards. So. Definitely pop on in. There'll be no calls that night. If you want to be on the show, we'll have the third camera and a mic. Lizzie will will put you on, and we're, we're hoping to get some players down there as well. So. Yeah, hopefully we have a nice little crowd coming after a win, one would hope. Have a little little juice going. So, yeah, yeah it should be, uh, should be a good day out there. So to still talk about the whole villain thing, I thought the Jacob Rehm and Phillies saga would have been over until June, but apparently <laughs> it's still going, right? Yeah, so down in the minor leagues at AAA, Jacob Rame goes into a game against the Iron Cutters, which is the Phillies AAA affiliate. And as he's coming in, they decided to play on the scoreboard, Rame giving up the home run to Reese Hoskins, and I assume playing the entire trip <laughs> yeah. around the bases, which I, I, it struck me as kind of funny and very, you know, like it's minor league. Like that's part of the experience there i wouldn't want the mets to do that to a guy necessarily at the major yeah. league level but i don't know the minor leagues wouldn't bother me but the mets were very upset with the triple a uh syracuse mets were very upset about it the manager talked to the team uh the iron cutters came back and were like hey you know we didn't know this was going to play on the scoreboard so you know who knows it could be an intern or whoever is right. running the scoreboard on a given night there Thought it would be funny, played it, and apparently it backfired, or at least rankled the Mets. But on the on the list of things to get really upset about, this would be pretty low on my list. Yeah, I'm not upset about it. I mean, I think that, like I even said on the show last week, I'm not upset with Reese at all. I, I like all this. I like the controversy. I like the back and forth to fire up your team and fire up your, your fan base. Bring storylines yeah, to yeah, the future, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what a ballpark is it? Atlanta, where the organists 
plays songs that kind of yes. like ruffle the feathers. And I think that's it's cool. funny. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's all great. in good fun. Uh, you know, this one you could say it's not in good fun. Like it's a bad moment for this player. You wouldn't, you know, if Bill Buckner is playing. You wouldn't play that '86 day when he comes yeah. up to the plate, right? Uh, you know, but I, I don't know. It just it strikes me as minor league, and it was minor league, and so you know, whatever. Like. If I'm Jacob Rame, I wouldn't be losing any sleep over that. It's I'm like, sure. oh, that's annoying, but let me stuff it down your throats here and strike out the side or something. You know, yeah. that's, that's the way you got to approach that stuff. So let's talk about another uh, thing that came up over the past few days. Actually, Sunday morning, I was on my way to a nice uh, birthday brunch for the wife, and I said, give me fi- 15 minutes. I have to put this blog post up because Travis Darno and the Mets are parting ways with each other. Or the Mets are parting ways with Travis. Did By the see- way, real fast. Did you see this coming? You have a birthday and an anniversary <laughs> in the same week? Yeah. What kind of planning are you doing That was my wife's idea. <laughs> Just, just run the gauntlet all at once. And then once. next week's our daughter's oh birthday, and next Sunday is And then Mother's you have Mother's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, wow. It's always a crazy week for me. That's why we're going. That's why we're doing an early show next week. We're going on vacation. I try to But bundle. then you're off till Christmas, right? You don't have to worry about anything else? I don't else? know, hon. Do I have anything else between now and... Father's well, Day. That's right. your day. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't have to do day. anything that day. On, Lizzie, Lizzie knows. I'm not really big on holidays. I'm yeah. not big on my own birthday. I don't really... Well, you got to be big for your wife's house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So Sunday, we're on the way out the door, and I'm like, listen, I got to put this blog post up. Um, Travis is no longer a Met. Did you see this coming? Did you think that it was going to happen as quickly as it did? when he was struggling so much at the outset, you could see it building, and he just, unfortunately, not everybody makes it back from Tommy John as quickly as you would like. And it's possible within a year, Travis Dono's arm is back up to speed. I actually thought his arm looked better than it did uh, maybe before the injury last year but he's got a hit he's an offense first catcher and if he's not hitting he doesn't have a role on your team and typically in a backup catcher role you want someone who works well with the pitching staff someone who's more of a defense first catcher says thing it wasn't a perfect fit for him it's probably a mistake by Brody Van Wagenen to have brought him back in the first place and to have traded Kevin Kowalki as well uh, they do have Tomas Nito who can step into this role and will be far more ready than he was last year when he had no business being in the major leagues but he, he made the jump all the way from like single a double a last mm-hmm. year so he has a little more experience and I think will be a, a better fit in that role so it didn't come out of nowhere for me what I think will be interesting is, is how this works out does another team say hey Maybe we can make it work with Travis and he could work his way back and build up that arm strength and be a player for us by the end of the year. Or, you know, he's a free agent after the year anyway. I mean, I have a feeling he can end up just in the minors with the Mets and this might not be the end of the road yeah. for Travis Darno in a Mets uniform. He might he might clear and end up down with AAA Syracuse. But typically when the Mets owe someone money, they don't have as short as of a leash that I think they gave him. Well, that's him. what I like about... Brody, Brody. Wagon in thus far is, is he's not going to sit back and wait and wait and wait. And we've seen him be relatively proactive with some of these situations, right? Uh, we all talked, hey, Pete Alonso should be on the opening day roster. He was, and now he's the NL Rookie of the Month uh, for the month of April. It was absolutely phenomenal. Like Those are the kind of things that you like from Brody, and I think that he has been willing to make some changes, not all, uh, but to react to you know guys that are struggling. Hey, when the eye test doesn't meet as it wasn't with Travis Darno, make the move. Don't wait two months because you spent three million dollars on the guy. Speaking of guys that are struggling, the IL, Mister Familia, yeah, dude, he can't get anybody out. Oh, he's terrible. He's terrible. And 
Yeah, I think with the bullpen overall, we talked a little bit about Edwin Diaz. I don't worry about Edwin Diaz, but I worry about almost everybody else. Like, yeah. I, I like Seth yeah. Lugo as a pitcher, period, and I've talked about that plenty. Uh, you know, Gesellman, I think, is fine in the bullpen as well. But you have Wilson Hurt, Familia's not pitching well, and now he's on the IL as well with a shoulder issue. And you wonder, like, how real is that issue that he's dealing with? Or is it just, hey, we got to take 10 days, yeah, yeah, work yeah, with yeah, you yeah. on the side, and save the roster spot for a little bit? Because when the Mets are bringing Jerry's Familia in a tie game in the eighth inning, I, I know I'm not the only one sitting there thinking this is eyes. game over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm watching like this, yeah. and he gets the double play to Todd Frazier, and oh my gosh, they got out of it, and you feel good when Edwin Diaz is in, and then he gives it up. But you just you couldn't trust Familia, and they had to keep going to him because who else are you going to go to in that eighth inning role? And now it'll probably be Lugo and Gesellman stepping into that spot. They are not familiar being in that position so uh it'll be interesting how it plays out but the Mets they really need to hope that whatever's going on with Familia writes itself quickly and that he could be who they hope they sign I know you could we could all talk about Craig Kimbrell until Mm -hmm. we're blue in the face they go out and add some help to that bullpen but to not have a trustworthy eighth inning guy no matter how good Edwin Diaz is he's only going three outs at a time he's not going to bail you out in that eighth that's a huge inning for the Mets now I think it was right around this time either last year or the year before so I think it was right around anniversary time was when it came out that he had that blood clot in his shoulder something it was was recent so yeah I mean a couple years ago that's a scary situation yeah so hopefully it's nothing too serious and yeah, it's just he has like a spur, a bone spur in his shoulder, essentially. And I, I forget exactly what the, the verbiage was that Mickey Calloway used to it to talk about the condition. But it's something that he's pitched through in the past. Um, but I, again, I, I would wonder if it's performance related. Hey, we got to take this guy aside for 10 days. We can't let him work it out on the major league mound. You're not going to send him down to the minors. So, you know, let's just put him on the IL, give him a, a, a deep breath, and then let him come back and, and work it out. All right, so if you missed the jump here, we are giving away some Put It In The Books t-shirts from the Mets. If you missed the free shirt Friday on Friday, we were able to get our hands on some of them. So if you're watching right now, retweet on Twitter. If you're watching on Facebook, click the little share button right there. So I was able to catch up with uh, the Mets legend himself, Put It In The Books himself, Mr. Howie Rose, on Monday. So let's catch up with Howie at the seats from City Field. This walking encyclopedia of Mets knowledge has covered sports in the New York area for the better part of four decades. A graduate of both Cardozo High School and Queens College, he's been a Mets fan since the start and joined the broadcasting family way back in 1994. The man, the myth, the legend, the radio voice of the New York Mets, it's Mr. Howie Rose. How are you, Howie? Fine, thanks. It's probably a myth, Darren. Believe me. <laughs> I'm actually, we're, for those that are listening afterwards, we're sitting in the seats here at City Field. And when you walk down here, you said this might be the first time you've ever sat in the seats here. It's amazing. You know, I've got no frame of reference about the sections or the vantage points in this park because I have to think about it. And I'm sure the answer is I have somewhere along the line. But I get 12 games off a year. And believe me, they're all going to be road games. So I don't think that I've ever missed a game here at City Field since the Mets played their first one here in April of 2009. So for me to be sitting in the stands is kind of a new thing, too. So I know you're a Mets fan since the start. I was actually listening on the broadcast. I think it was a couple weeks ago you were talking to Wayne about 
how you had missed the opening day of Shea Stadium huh? because you had the measles. Yeah. So we don't have to bring that back up again, but it's <laughs> you have deep roots, not only with the family once you started in the broadcast booth, but you've been a Mets fan since the start. So how did that begin? How did you become a Mets fan? It was organic, really, because in 1961, when I was seven years old, my dad really introduced me to baseball. I mean, he'd sort of encouraged me about it, but I was a little too young to understand before 61. And 1961 is the year that Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle had that great home run chase of Babe Ruth's existent record, which was 60 at the time. And just imagine falling head over heels in love with baseball that season with yeah. so much going on in New York. Well, end result of 1961 is that now there's this new team that's coming along the next year. And being a narcissistic little runt, I thought, <laughs> wow, this is great. Now I'm a baseball fan, so they're creating a new team just for me. Yeah. And I figured that the Mets were my, you know, I had a proprietary interest in it somehow. So I do remember absorbing everything I could How in were spring you training. Then? Eight in, well, in 61, I was seven. So when the Mets played their first game in 62, I was eight. And I distinctly remember following them in spring training. And the night they played their first game in St. Louis, as I said, it was at night and I was a second grader and I couldn't stay up and listen to the whole thing. So I remember going into my parents' bedroom early the next morning as I was getting ready for school. My dad was getting ready for work. And I said, Dad, how'd the Mets do? And he said, they lost. And I, I felt disappointed. Yeah, yeah. And that started it. You yeah. know, that the connection was, was made instantly. So did you and your dad get to go to games at, at the Polo Grounds? or One. I went to one game at the Polo Grounds, believe it or not. And it, it turned out to be a pretty interesting sort of game in, in Mets history. Not that it's remembered so much for the results, but in that game, Rod Keneal hit the first Grand Slam in Mets history. And Gil Hodges, I think it was his last home run, hit the home run that passed Ralph Kiner on the all-time home run list. Wow. At that moment, making Gil the all-time National League right-handed hitting home run leader. And... Gil Hodges was my favorite Met before they even played their first game because I kind of knew the name from yeah, my dad. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a familiar yeah. name. And to this day, I revere Gil Hodges and only wish I could have met him. So I've heard you say before that you would sit in the upper deck at Chase Stadium and also go through the motions that you were a broadcaster. So is that really what sparked it for you? Did you have ideas or thoughts early on that this might be the path you want to go down? I did, but... Full disclosure, I didn't really practice baseball broadcasting very much and never did at Shea Stadium wow. because I found out it's much, much harder to try to learn to broadcast baseball if you're not prepared, if you don't have all this information in front of you because, yeah, you know, when I was 14, I could say there's a ground ball to short. But I couldn't say, here's ball one, and oh, man, now what do I say before yeah, yeah, the next pitch, yeah, yeah. you know? There's a rhythm and a tempo and an overall preparedness that I had no idea about then. So, actually, I cut my first um, aspirational broadcasting teeth by, well, we all kind of did by turning the TV sound down right, and trying right, right. to tape play-by-play -play off the TV, our own play-by-play. -play. But I had season tickets for the Rangers as far back as 1970. No way. And I would have occasionally bring my tape recorder to the garden and sit there and do play-by-play -play of the game. Do you have any of those tapes? Uh, yeah, somewhere. Wow. Yeah, they do exist. You should post them somewhere. I, I think a lot of fans would be interested in hearing that. Um, they might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They there might cringe, but <laughs> it's not very polished. But I was 16. Cut me some slack. So when you went to Queens College, was it for this? Oh, you better believe it, yeah. In fact... 
I, I graduated from Queens College and I spent almost my entire collegiate career at Queens, but I went to Brooklyn College for my very first semester of fall 72. What happened was my dad, may he rest in peace, got sick with what we now know as Alzheimer's. We didn't know what it was then, but he got sick my senior year in high school. And I was planning on going to a state school, but once my dad got sick, I had to stay home. Mm -hmm. And I had already gotten to know Marv Albert because I'd become the president of his fan club when I was 13 no years way. old. And, you know, he, he was my all-time mentor in this business. I mean, he means everything to me as, yeah. as a broadcaster in particular. And, um, you know, I got kind of panicky when I realized I had to stay home. And I said, Marv, do you have any idea which of the CUNY, the City University schools, uh, are best suited for broadcasting? And he knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. And I don't know that he really knew about the curriculums, but he knew of Brooklyn College. He had he'd been from Brooklyn and he said he knew that Brooklyn had a great program I said that's it I'm going to Brooklyn if he said um, Venus A&M had a great broadcasting program I'd have tried there. to get into Venus A&M yeah. I was doing whatever he suggested and I couldn't handle the commute because I grew up in Bayside and I was I just didn't want college to be 13th grade you know and that's what I was afraid right, Queen was right. gonna, Queens was going to become so I got out of Brooklyn after one semester and it was the best thing I ever did because I just loved my time at Queens College and made several really good friends there one in particular uh, whom I consider as close a friend as I've got really and um it was the best thing that happened because I got involved with a college radio station at Brooklyn initially and then at Queens, and that really helped set me on my way. So from there, before you ended up with the Mets in 94, you had a number of different gigs. So, Well, I'm sorry to inter yeah, uh, yeah, interrupt, yeah. but I actually started with the Mets in 87 really? doing pre and post, oh, okay. doing Mets Extra. Okay. Uh, and then they started using me to fill in on radio, I don't know, somewhere in the late 80s. Wow. I think I think 89 I did a few For some games. reason, I always had 94 circles. Well, because everybody kind of prints that because that was the first year that I did an appreciable number of play-by-play -play games. Okay. But, you know, we had this show called Mets Extra, which was the wraparound of Mets broadcasts that were initially on WHN going back to 1980, well, 1987 anyway was the first year I was there. And, um, and I'm pretty proud of that show because I think it broke a few barriers and broke a little ground in terms of how we handled interviews. They weren't going to be pap or they weren't going to be, you know, kissy face interviews. You yeah. know, we tried to get something out of these guys. So I'm very proud of those five years that I did the pre and post, too. So let me, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but you just brought something else, brought something up about being kissy face. As a Mets fan growing up and then covering the team I talk about this a lot on the show uh, seeing behind the curtain and maybe things may change once you're covering the team from mm -hmm. a professional level when you follow them as a fan so did you notice that once you started anything maybe changed for you in that aspect in terms of being able to do not, a not, not journalistically that, sound interview as not, opposed not really to journalistically kind of a sound. fan oriented one no no more so like I'm just using Travis Darno because, you mm -hmm. know, what, what came, yeah. uh, you know, from yesterday with the uh, DFA. So is it harder to conduct an interview with a guy who you might revere in a certain way or be a fan of as a fan than when you have the interview and you sit down that it, it comes from a different angle because now you're doing it as a job? It's a good question because, you know, those days are long gone for me. I yeah. mean, I'm, yeah. you know sorry to admit it but I'm 65 years old and it's just not the same level of fandom at that age it hardly exists it really doesn't as fandom as much as it does in this context as a broadcaster and so I get to know these guys within a much different sort of prism mm -hmm. that the guys that 
I started covering when I broke into the business. Now, you know, the 1969 Mets will always be my team, you know. I was 15 when they won it all, and those are the guys I grew up with, and those are the guys I largely idolized. Now, having done this as long as I have, I've gotten to know a number of those guys, and, and at least a handful of them I would consider friends, some of whom I've socialized with, you know. And even when I'm doing that, I mean, I could be out to lunch or dinner with one of them, or just standing around shooting the bull and even though it's an adult conversation there's still a part of me that goes man if i somebody would have told me in high school that i'd be you know sitting having lunch with tom Seaver or buddy harrelson or somebody like that i'd have flipped out yeah and i still get that little twinge you know but it's different as the years pass and you become an adult and an older one so you bring up a good point about, you know, those moments that you have that still strike you as a, you know, as a moment like that. Do you remember your first pinch me moment when you started broadcasting with the Mets? Was there was there ever one? Was there something where you're like, wow, I'm actually doing this right now? Well, the first game that I ever did when I was working with Bob Murphy, that was a holy smokes moment. Yeah because of just what Bob and Lindsay and Ralph were. And that took a little getting used to. I felt, especially because when I started to do that, I was the pre- and post-game guy, and I was just a fill-in play-by-play guy. And if I can say so now, I was awful back then when it came to play-by-play. I wasn't properly trained, you know. I really learned to do Major League Baseball at the Major League level, um, which is not an easy thing to do, and I wouldn't recommend it. But just sort of a serendipitous series of events led to that. And thankfully, at least to this point, it's all worked out. But I was a little intimidated. I was uh, absolutely intimidated at first by Murph, who could be intimidating, too, because he was very rigid. Mm -hmm. And he wanted things done the way he felt that they were supposed to be done. He was of a generation that did not criticize, did not discuss strategy, did not look at worst-case scenarios as opposed to best-case scenarios. And I'm younger and was trained much differently. So that wasn't easy. Um, But as I did a little bit more, it got a little bit better. And then to work with Ralph on television was just beyond belief in terms of the person that he was and obviously the player and the broadcaster that he became. But he was just such a great man, such a special human being. I miss him every day. Whenever I come here, I think of Ralph. I miss him terribly. So let's, uh, let's transition a little bit. Not even really transition much. As a Mets fan, I gravitate more towards guys like yourself and Gary Cohen, fans who now work in the broadcast booth. And I think that it's, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn for other fans here, but as a fan, I gravitate more towards the broadcast when there's a fan dictating the action or doing the play-by-play. And nothing against a guy like Wayne, who's from Chicago, whatever. I just feel like that adds a lot to the broadcast. Uh, and I know Mets fans are very lucky with the, with the booth and everyone we have covering the team from the broadcast side. Do you think that having those little stories like the measles and things like that adds extra flavor? And do you think it's important to have that? I I do. And it was not a very popular sentiment not all that long ago to even suggest that hiring people who grew up around a particular team was necessarily a good thing because the prevailing wisdom 
at the time, and it probably exists to a certain extent even today, is that, well, this guy grew up a fan of, and I won't even use myself or the Mets, you know, somebody in L.A. grew up a Lakers fan, let's say. How could he be objective? How could he tell the story responsibly? And I take that as an insult, personally, as a professional broadcaster, that one would think that I colored everything I said because of the affection I have for the Mets and the organization and having grown up with them, really. You know, broadcasting's a tough nut, and it's hard enough to get there. It's doubly hard to stay there. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to stay there, you'd better check all the right boxes, and those mean being objective and honest and fair. Now, maybe objective is almost a wrong word because it suggests that I don't have any kind of interest at all in who wins. Let me let you guys in on a secret, okay? Um, I want the Mets to win. And if if that's a problem for anybody, so be it. My hope and my great, great wish is that uh, I can be perceived as someone who has given a fair account of what's gone on on the field despite the fact that I am emotionally invested in seeing this club win. I have no problem admitting that now. I would have been afraid to have done that 30 years ago. That's Well, yeah, 30 years ago is a long time, but I feel like... They'd have to be silly to not realize that the fans want to connect with who's calling the game. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to throw ESPN under the bus, but a lot of times when ESPN is broadcasting the game, I know you read on Twitter. You have a Twitter account. Oh, we're going to have a big audience when they're doing the game. I know that. They lower, they put it on mute and they turn you guys on. They try to sync it up. So I I think there's definitely a connection on that that level. And I I know that I'd certainly appreciate it. So um, I appreciate that because that's, that's really about the highest compliment you can pay is to say that any of us who do what we do for a living have connected with our audience. Because if we don't, we're not going to be around very long. So let's talk about longevity. You did hockey and baseball together for, for a long time. Yeah. So do you know how many days a year you were working then? I never figured it out because I never wanted to. It was um, kind of a daunting thought. But you know, it was easy to say that At its peak, you know, when I started doing all the games on radio as opposed to half of them on TV, well, that's 162 games. I do 150 now. I don't know that I had more than three or six off the first few years I did it. But let's just for Well, yeah. I mean, let's just say 150 baseball games just for the heck of it. And eventually I was able to get 12 hockey games off, although not at the beginning. So... Say I did 70 hockey games. So that's 220 events right there. Now, I would rationalize it by saying, all right, how many, how many days in a week? Five. How many weeks in a year? 52. So that's 260 days and obviously weekends or at least, um, you know, vacations. And so, so I, 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 I look at it as though, well, I'm not working more days really than most nine to fivers who work five days a week. And... That was rationalization. It wasn't reality because <laughs> yeah, yeah. travel is the great oh, course, equalizer. There's nothing more challenging than life on the road. And when you have a couple of young kids at home, as they were when you know I started doing everything, uh, the guilt is enormous. And God bless my wife, Barbara. She's the best because she basically raised both of those kids at times when I wasn't away for stretches of time. And for them to have turned out so wonderful... Um, there's a tribute to Barbara as much as anything. I was going to bring that up. I only have one daughter, but I certainly don't miss as much as you must have had to miss back back in the day. Um, but I know Alyssa has said, I don't know if it was on the record, maybe just us talking together, that she always 
knew that you were going to call home you know, before oh, yeah. she went to bed at night. And, and even though you weren't around as much as you had hoped, it's great that they turned out the way they did and, and credit to your wife. They course. have gone so above and beyond in alleviating whatever guilt that I've had. And I had a bunch. And I, st- I always will because you can't get their childhood back. And I did miss a lot of stuff. But my hours enabled me to be around for a little bit more than some others too because I worked later in the day so I might see them off to school in the morning or um, you know certainly during the hockey season I left especially when I started working for the Islanders it was really close to home and I often see them when they got home from school spent a little time with them and then headed off to work so I, I mean I did get to see them in ways that a lot of other fathers wouldn't on an average school day but it wasn't enough for me and I'm sure it wasn't enough for them but they have God bless them. Turned out so great. And, um, you know, they'll kid with me from time to time about, well, you weren't here for this or you weren't here from that. But, it, it, you know, I know that they're kidding around. And, um, and I just cherish the relationship I have with them. So speaking of the relationship, Alyssa now works here. What's that like? That is surreal. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've grown up in this business in, in clubhouses, whether big league baseball or hockey or any other sport that I've covered. But last year, the first time I showed up for work, and I knew she was going to be at the ballpark, but I didn't know what time or when. I'm standing in the Mets clubhouse, and all of a sudden I turn around, and, geez, that's Alyssa <laughs> in the Mets clubhouse. This is, this, this is an odd picture. This is a little surreal. This is like some, you know, 1960s, uh, you know, strange situation here. But... Um, I'm very proud of her and and the fact that she's progressing and doing more and more here, and, and I hope it continues. That's great. Well, let's bring up the, the little promo you guys did last week. Unfortunately, Friday with that three-hour rain delay, and it was your free shirt Friday night. Yeah, bummer. The uh, Put It In The Books shirt. I think that was a great promo that you guys cut together about changing Put It In The Books to snap it to the <laughs> chat and add it to the cloud yeah. and all those other things. Swipe it to the right. So it's been known. I'm not asking you to... to air out your handle here but i think you have twitter or at least keep up I'm on check it right now <laughs> put on there today yeah. oh you I follow you follow seven Live? of course i do look at that that's but a great endorsement figure out who i am no <laughs> so yeah we'll have to do a process of elimination there Uh-oh. but so the, with the emergence of the way social media is and the way that every fan that has a twitter account now can follow the beat writers and they know news instantaneously maybe they aren't waiting for the broadcast as much has that changed anything for the way that you guys cover the team in terms of the immediacy of news because of or any any aspect has has twitter or social media changed the way that anything happens in the broadcast booth for you guys um only from an interactive standpoint you know i might have a question for the general masses that I'll direct towards Twitter and I'll say, hey, look, you know, we've got two accounts active in the book. There's Madge on, at Mets Booth, Mets Booth and there's Wayne Randazzo. Mm-hmm. And if we bring something up that would be um, interesting to hear about from a fan's perspective, I'll direct them. I'll say, hey, send Madge a tweet or send Wayne a tweet yeah. and, and let's, uh, let's talk about this on the air. And every once in a while we do. And generally those are for situations when a game is bogged down and there's not much going on or it's terribly one-sided. Um, but there are times on a stream of consciousness basis where I'll be reminded of something or something will pop into my head and I'll go, well, let's see what they think. And I enjoy doing that. So let's talk about the something else that actually came up on social media last week. I want to get your take on this. There's a guy from the Bronx. He went to Fordham. 
He now works for the Nationals. <laughs> I His know name is Charlie Slows. Charlie's a friend. He's a great guy. Great guys could also be in the wrong every once in a while. And, uh, you know, what do they say? Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. That's what they say. But, you know, sometimes, let's say there's a national fan following their account. They don't know about put it in the books necessarily. So what I'm getting at is put the curly W in the books. What are your thoughts on that? Got to spill the tea here. Charlie, you're a no-good, two-bit, skeeving, conniving thief, and I'm going to sue your butt right off. (laughs) No, Charlie's a friend, man. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I don't. I That's don't, your thing. If it's, you know what, Mets fans you don't have, have anything. I think. Gave us but, that. but see, here's here's the journalist in me. Yeah, you should get both sides of it. You should hook up. You can do it on on Skype or whatever. Get get in touch with Charlie and ask him what the derivation of that call was because I don't know that it was necessarily inspired by literally put it in the books. I think sometimes he says, and and that's a curly W in the books. Or something. I mean, look, anything in the books you is know, worse. In the books, I I I'm very proud that people feel that that has become my property. Yeah, but it's not. You know, it's not copyrighted. It's it's out there for anyone who wants to have fun with it, as you guys did with a T-shirt, which is wonderful, and I appreciate. You directing some of that to the Mets Foundation. I thought that was great. Um, uh, imitation is the greatest form of flatter, uh, flattery. Uh, you'd be better served, really, by asking Charlie about it. But, you know, for me, I know what my motivation was with Put It in the Books. Um, when I was a kid playing in the schoolyard or going to a game and sitting upstairs at Shea Stadium, if I was on a team that won which did not happen very often because I was on it. But if we'd win, I'd say something like, well, I never said put it in the books. I would use, you know, hey, that's in the books. And my friend and I would be at a Met game and they'd win. And we'd go, well, that one's in the books or something to that effect, which is probably all Charlie was calling up anyway. But my real motivation for finding something that worked is in this building tonight. We're playing the Mets are playing the Cincinnati Reds tonight, and Marty Brenneman, their Hall of Fame broadcaster, is in his final year of uh, broadcasting Cincinnati Reds games now. He's going to retire at the end of the season. Has a great ending to Reds games if they win. Final out, or when the winning run scores, he'll say, and this one belongs to the Reds. And when I heard that for the first time, it was the year I started doing play-by-play for the Mets, and I thought, wow, that is perfect. What a great, neat succinct way without calling attention to himself that is to punctuate a Reds victory I'd love to think of something like that that doesn't bring it to me but just accentuates the joy of of a Mets win and put it in the books kind of came around and I toyed with a couple of different inflections before sort of accidentally tripping over the one I use now but that's how that started, yeah. you know. So how Charlie started it, you'd have we'll to have ask to, him. We'll have to play this back for him and get his, his rebuttal. But uh, I don't know if you actually saw Love also, you, Charlie. Army Army Baseball put put it in the books, I think, yesterday. Are they, oh, Twitter. I saw something. Which yeah. is cool because they're not a division rival. So that's that's. Ah, I mean. Hey, listen, <laughs> if you want to hook up guys who are putting their lives on the oh, line, we'll put it in the books. God bless them. And thank you, gentlemen and so, ladies. You brought up the, uh, absolutely, shout out to the uh, everyone serving. Um, the Mets. 14 and 13, game over 500 now. How are you feeling about the team so far this season? Well, I, I don't put too much stock into any short sample. And, you know, the first 12 games of last year are a pretty good reason why. I've always felt a start to a season lasts until about Memorial Day. Because, especially for the East Coast teams. Because by that time, the weather has hopefully warmed up. 
and it's not the issue that it often is in the Northeast in particular and, and the Midwest uh, in April and even parts of May. And there were parts of this country that were affected by snow this week, yeah. the last week of April. So, I, I, you know, I have to ascribe some things that happen to the weather. Um, and, you know, pitchers generally tend to take, in my opinion, a little longer to find their way because their pitcher, uh, pitchers, like, well, position players too, they're creatures of habit, you know, and they want to get into their routine. And for them, the routine is pitching, in most cases, every fifth day. And it hasn't been that often this year that most pitchers have been able to do that because of days off or rainouts or whatever. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm mildly concerned that DeGrom and Syndergaard haven't exploded out of the gate, but again, it's such a small sample. I don't think there's any need to press any sort of panic button about that. Let's let it play out for the next month, and if things are still uneven at best then, it's a different conversation. I'm just glad they brought up Alonzo to start the season. I think sure. we wouldn't have, wouldn't have had nearly as many wins as we as we had right now had, had he not been on the team. But I'm actually surprised they did. Oh, really? Uh, I, well, I have a theory as to why, okay. too, because um, and I've not been able to get any of this addressed by anyone that I've talked to with this team or any other, but you know, let's face it, the Players Association and the, and the, and the clubs are at loggerheads, let's say, about how free agency has evolved over the last couple of years and I'm pretty certain that by the time the next CBA is done, the current system of free agency is going to be changed mm-hmm. or at the very least amended. And I think that the service time qualifications are going to change. It's not going to be six full years anymore. Maybe it'll be, and this is just my opinion. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. this, yeah. but I think that's going to be a big part of the next CBA. It's going to be a little easier and sooner in careers for players to become free agents. So, you know, my thinking about that was, you know, why cut off your nose to spite your face now with Alonzo? Because by the time he's, quote, eligible, according to today's rules, in six years, the rules probably would have changed anyway. And that's why I think a lot more teams this year brought guys up from the get-go. So let's talk about rules changing. Are you in favor of the National League adopting the DH and do you think it's going to happen? Great question because it's a complicated answer with me. In my heart I hate the idea. I abhor the designated hitter. But as someone who follows a National League team the way this game has evolved right now whereas most teams seem to prefer the majority of their games being played with an eight-man bullpen therefore a 13-man pitching staff as opposed to you know, seven in the bullpen and five on the bench, then I think you got to give a manager in the National League a chance because mm-hmm. if you've only got a four-man bench, one of them is your backup catcher who you're generally reluctant to use to pinch hit. So you've only got three guys on the bench that, you know, you can weave in and out of games if you need to make double switches and the like. Uh, I'm, I know talking to managers in the National League, they may prefer the National League game, but they probably like the designated hitter from the standpoint of making their jobs easier. So I would reluctantly say, well, okay, if that's how it's got to be, that's how it's got to be. I'm holding out hope it doesn't happen, but yeah. I think pragmatically it almost has to. I mean, the Mets have quite a few guys that, that hit home runs, so I know that the, the players, I mean, I think that Syndergaard, I don't know if he actually runs his own account, but I think after this came out recently that it, they, it might be changing soon. Wrote something about don't take the bat out of my hands or something. These guys oh, like I to understand hit, you know? that because the Mets are blessed actually yeah, yeah. with some pitchers who can swing the bat. Yeah. Just about all of them. You know, the the four 
other than Vargas, and you know, even Jason Vargas's uh, lifetime batting average is over 200. But you know, you look at just this year alone, the Mets have had three pitchers hit home runs. Yeah. So just based on that, who the hell wants the desert? Who the heck wants? I work a clean room here. <laughs> Edit that out. So, um, oh, I, I mean, who wants the DH really? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that it might be coming. It might be on the verge of becoming a necessity. What I wouldn't mind, though, is having the whole league follow the same set of rules. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but even though it's been this way for, for quite a number of years. but um, PA would never go for eliminating it altogether. Really? It's a highly paid position. Okay. They'll never go for it. So we'll see. Unless you add a roster spot or two, yeah, but I yeah. still don't think that would mitigate against the loss of a bigger salary. So let's talk about things, other things that are changing. I mean, MLB, if you follow their, their social media account, when things happen on the field, like a bat flip or whatever, it goes viral, and they like that. I mean, they, they need more eyeballs on the sport. Um, what's your take on that? The show is it, is it too showy? Do you not like to see I that? I am actually a fan of the bat flip. As long as it doesn't show up the opposition, I am dead set against anything that taunts or shows up your opponent. I'm... I'm, I'm an old-timer in the sense that I do believe in sportsmanship, but I also think we have to adjust to the fact that, you know, the younger players coming into the game today display emotion. And believe me, their opponents will let them know if they've gone too far. Uh -huh. You know, well, whatever this unwritten code is, it's if it's not been obliterated, it's certainly been obscured. So I, I think we have to allow for the fact that the younger players today uh, not only are used to, but demand the right to celebrate. But it's got to be done without taunting the opposition. And I, I would make the case, you can take bat flips back to, I mean, Reggie Jackson had a great bat flip. Nobody ever talked about that. You ever watch film of Reggie Jackson hitting a home run? When he knows he got it, he just kind of flung the bat back almost to the backstop. It was so cool. I mean, it was really great. Yeah. And I don't know of any pitcher that ever took exception to that. You know, I, I, I don't think we could stand in the way of... I don't know that I'd call it progress necessarily, but just natural evolution. So I'm going to hit some questions here from social media. I asked the fans if they had if they had a question for you, shoot it my way, and I'll try to make it into the interview. So first one here, it's kind of a depressing one, actually. I'm amazed you got any others other than uh, ask him what he thinks about Charlie Slows trying to steal put in the books, because <laughs> I saw a slew of those. A lot of those, actually. So uh, this is a little depressing, but i got to bring it up, because it's as a fan you, you, and a, a professional, you got to... You got to roll with the punches here. So, what was worse? This is from uh, at Tom Verline. What was worse, calling the last game of 2007 or 2008? Oh, 2007. Um, I mean, they they were <laughs> they were they were both bad. We know that. 2008 was just so sad because it was the way we closed Shea Stadium. I wish they would have done that you prior know? to the game. Well. Uh, there were reasons. It was a day game, and it was going to be an elaborate ceremony, and people are not in their seats early in the morning. And I'm not going I'm, to—I'm just going to digress for a second here, but the first time I ever emceed anything on the field was for the 30th anniversary of the 1969 Mets, and they did that before a 1 o'clock game. And we started the ceremonies like 11, 11.30 in the morning, whatever it was, there was nobody here uh, or there. It was at Shea Stadium. And, and I think that their heart was in the right place. It was just a bad confluence of circumstances, which ended it the way it did. But to have been seven up with 17 to go and to see it unravel the way it did in that first inning in 07 and realize that the last eight innings were like, you know, the baton death march or something um, made it very, very difficult. And... and um, and an ending that 
Met fans probably haven't gotten over yet, and understandably so. I was sitting there. I went to the game by myself, and that was the first time I was ever on the broadcast because I was one of those fans at the end in the montage of just sitting in disbelief, mm-hmm. sitting there by myself at Shea. Um, you know, I can't believe what we just saw. And, and from that came the seven line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two years later. Um, so this is from a, actually a buddy of mine, Tim Riley, writes for the blog. He wants to know what you miss most about Shea Stadium. My childhood. You know, Shea Stadium was home in every sense that my bedroom in Windsor Oaks and Bayside, Queens was home. That was my house, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. we used to get there two hours before first pitch. Back in those days, we'd go to a two o'clock game. That's when the afternoon game started. They'd roll the gates open at 12 o'clock. We'd hustle up when the entire upper deck, with the exception of the first few rows, which were box seats, the entire upper deck back then was unreserved. We would get there at... The minute they open those gates, race up there and generally get the same seats for as many games as we could. Section one, row A, right behind home play. We even carved our initials into the seats. No way. Yeah, and there were wooden seats back then. They were taken out in 1980. But um, I miss that place the way I miss my childhood home, you know. A lot of people don't know this, but... uh Whatever they, have, they call the club behind the plate now, those are actually first-come, first-served seats as well, that little patio there. So if you have tickets to that club and you get here early enough, you could sit right in those right, Delta, the Delta Club. You can actually I'm, – I'm giving out some secrets here now, but if you have access to the Delta Club, you can sit in those seats – Oh, really? Front row. Front That's row. cool. As long as it's not reserved. Um, we can do some games from down there. Yeah. <laughs> People were saying, actually, if you do some games out there from up, with us, but you got sure to you gotta, yeah, check with Madge about that yeah, one. He, yeah, he's yeah. got to put that together, and I don't know he'd be that excited about it. So, um, Adam Adler on Facebook, any good Fran Healy stories? I feel like we talk a lot about the three current TV announcers oh, yeah. and the three in the booth. Um, but you and Fran worked together on TV for a number of years. And if there's anything funny or anything yeah. that's, that you can oh, stand yeah. out in your Fran mind. Fran was great company. And um, he could he could plug three sponsors on a ground ball to shortstop. <laughs> it was unbelievable. He would work in a sponsor in any conceivable way. Well, one particular night, we are doing a game. And someone in the ownership group was nice enough to pass along a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. They just kind of shoved it into our booth. Yeah. And I figure I'm going to say something nice and why not acknowledge the gift? So I say, hey, Fran, look at that. So-and-so has just given us a nice big box of... And he panics and he puts his hand literally over over my mic. We use a headset with a mic like this, right? So he put my hand over the mic and he's pointing frantically to the signage in left field and he goes, Dunkin' Donuts! <laughs> That's great. Almost gave a free plug. No free plugs, right? Yeah. Uh, Matthew Lux on Facebook as well. If you never became an announcer, what other career do you think you would have enjoyed? Enjoyed? Or done. You know, probably supersizing fries because I'm not worth a darn to do anything else. <laughs> I can't do anything. I am a pathetic human being. I, I can't fix anything. I'm trying to learn how to play golf in my mid-60s, and it, it's just ridiculous how bad I am. <laughs> it's just it bothers me it's how bad I am. But I, would, I don't really have many other qualifications. Well, I think we're Sad all very glad it worked out. So am I. I, uh, I was speaking to Alyssa saying that we were going to be doing this interview and I asked her if she had any funny questions or things that I should ask you. So Great. if you got time, I'm going to ask you a couple more here. So Are these all from Alyssa? This is just one. Just oh, one from all Alyssa. Right. Um, Sorry. Ask, no problem. 
Ask him about the time he and Keith Hernandez were thrown the exact same pitch. I don't even know what this means. I have no idea. Oh, this is cool. This is a funny story, actually. Um, I love telling the story. I tell it at Fantasy Camp every year because it's a great way to understand just how great every guy on this field is now. I don't care if he's the 25th man on the team. They are so unbelievably great at what they do you can't even imagine. But going to Fantasy Camp gives you a little idea. This is 1988, and the Mets Fantasy Camp was actually being held in Tampa that year because it was the year that the Port St. Lucie Complex opened, but they didn't want the Fantasy Campers to be the first ones to use it. Yeah. So they moved us to the old home of the Cincinnati Reds, Tampa, Florida, and um, nearby was where the Phillies Fantasy Camp was going on because the Phillies are based in Clearwater. Mm. So we were playing a game against the Mets, uh, the Phillies fantasy campers. I'm playing first base, okay? I'm playing first base. I'm left-handed. Tommy Hutton, who you might have heard of, is coaching first base for the Phillies. Now, Tommy Hutton, to older Mets fans, is known for a guy who owned Tom Seaver. But that's irrelevant here. Tommy was left-handed hitting first baseman outfielder. And at that time, he was broadcasting for the Yankees. So he was in New York, and I knew him a little bit, and we're chatting each other up while the game's going on. Fast forward ahead a half inning or so. I come up to hit. Again, I'm left-handed. So I get into the box, and Tommy yells out, Time! He says, I'm pitching to the lefty. Yeah. And I go, oh, great. I go, all right, Hutton, what do you got? Well, he throws me a curveball that bends me back like this and makes a sharp 90-degree turn and hits the outside corner for a called strike one. I just drop my bat and start laughing because I never <laughs> played at any sophisticated level yeah. and I'd never seen a pitch that good, a curveball that good. So a week or two later, I have Tommy on my radio show and I tell that story. I go, hey, Tommy, look, I, you know, I know it was only me, but still, that looked like a pretty good curveball. Did you ever get into a game uh, that was a one-sided game and pitch in the major leagues? He says, as a matter of fact, I did. And you'll be happy to know that it was in St. Louis against the Cardinals. And I threw Keith Hernandez the same exact curveball <laughs> I threw to you. I, yeah, well, yeah? What do you do with it? He said, he hit it into the bleachers. <laughs> That's not the worst of it. That's, there's more to it. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, oh, man, that's... That's humiliating on one level, but expected. So now i got to ask Keith. The next time I see Keith, I go, hey, Keith, did you ever hit against Tommy Hutton in the major leagues? He goes, oh, yeah. He said he threw me this pathetic, dinky little curveball, and I hit it into the bleachers for a home <laughs> run. And there's the difference. Yeah. I mean, those guys are just so great. And, um, and I respect that, and that's you know, something that has helped me as a broadcaster to just understand. You may think so-and-so in the vernacular stinks. Trust me, he doesn't stink. So let me ask you, been doing this long time. You said you're, you're trying to pick up golf now. <laughs> uh, you retired from the hockey side of things. And yeah. I'm, I'm not asking this because I want this to happen. But do you ever have thoughts or ideas or inklings that you have a date circled on, on your calendar or a year circled on your calendar that you might want to retire from this? Oh, I'm not looking know. forward to it. Well, I'm not either, but the calendar, the is, route, the the calendar is what it is. I, I mean, I'm happy to say that I'm in the first year of a long-term deal. And by the time this deal is over, I'll be at an age where I'm going to have to make some decisions. And it may well be that it's down the road, perhaps doing a reduced schedule. I don't know. But I know one thing, that I don't want to do this forever, or at least to the point where... 
I'm not as sharp as I was, I'll know. Right. I mean, if my work is starting to slip to the point where, you know, and you'll know nowadays quicker than ever thanks to social media, but if, if I think, boy, people are saying, do you believe what he blew last night or did you hear how he screwed up that call? I'm not going to let that happen, at least not for any long period of time. If that's... If if that begins to take hold, then I'm I'm out of here because uh, I don't I don't want to be and I'm not comparing myself to Willie Mays or anything like that. But I'm just saying I don't I don't want to be Willie Mays tripping over his feet in the World Series. You know. Well, we hope it's no time soon. Um, I appreciate you spending Thank time you. with me. I know we're we're in your office now. This is yeah. this is great. Do you actually get here this early on a, on oh, a yeah. game day? Yeah, three o'clock generally is when I get in on a game day. Yeah, it takes a while to get everything in order. Yeah, I think people think you just show up at seven and <laughs> you know start talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to also, but that's that's a little showbiz one hundred and one. <laughs> Well, Howie, you're the best. Thank you for giving me Thanks, the time. Darren. I appreciate everything you've done uh, with the Seven Line and, and the Seven Line Army. You always go the extra mile for us, so I appreciate well, that. I, I just love the reaction that you guys get when you march into various cities around the major leagues. Because what I really love, apart from the obvious passion and the numbers, is that maybe stuff goes on that I don't find out about. I don't know. But I've never heard of an incident where somebody in the Seven Line got in trouble because there was some altercation with another group of fans from that particular team uh, you know from all indications you guys travel really well and um, and you should be commended for that thank you I appreciate that we're about to do outing 100 this year so it's uh, alrighty it's been a fun one so thank you for this my pleasure Darren wow it was such a thrill I can't thank Howie enough for spending I think that was like 40 minutes or so I was trying to watch the clock I know he has a lot of work to do out at City Field before a game but couldn't have been nicer. A lot of nuggets in there of things that I definitely learned. And um, we talked about it on the drive over here, how it's such a surreal experience to be sitting in an empty ballpark with a guy who's a Mets legend. And we're just, like he, like how we said, we're shooting the bull there at the ballpark. So that was, that was a really fun time. I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I spent in the last five years being on before the broadcast and after the broadcast. I, I got to sit there and listen to Howie Rose call Mets games for five years. You know, every game, every inning, and he's as good as anybody you're going to listen to nowadays with humor. Uh, he's got a sharp wit, the stories of, you know, previous Mets and some of the obvious stuff that you expect in a broadcast to the big calls, whatever it might be. Obviously put it in the books as uh, we talked about here, but it is just an all around great broadcast. I used to look forward to when the Mets would be getting blown out or blowing somebody else out. Right. right? And in the TV, they start pulling out the baseball cards and all right. So they have their thing, but on the radio, I would always, you know, all right, I'm definitely not listening to TV once this happens and go to the radio and Howie and Josh Lewin, it would be entertaining, yeah. even as it didn't matter what yeah. the heck yeah. was happening on the field. It was just their by play and Howie's witticisms and you know certain stories and Mets history that you know, as someone who you know has loved his franchise forever, no idea about. Yeah. And it was uh, one of the best parts of that job was just having the opportunity to listen and hear how great Howie Rose is and. You know, at some point, and I know it's something he probably wouldn't want to talk about, but I would love to see, and I, I would like to see some more momentum for him you know, with that Ford C. Frick Award and getting into the Hall of Fame because he is that level of a, a broadcaster on the radio. And, 
you know, it, it, he got into it a little later than a lot of the other Hall of Fame broadcasters. You start looking at it uh, from that angle, but he is uh, he's phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, obviously, Mets fans know all about yeah, it. Yeah, and he just said he's on the first year of a long-term deal. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's public knowledge until now, but I don't know what a long what, – what's that, like 10 years? What's a long-term deal? Five? Ten? I, I, I wouldn't speculate – um, What's you long know, term? I don't know. You say long term, five. I think I, I think it was um, the the deal with Entercom. I uh-huh. believe is more than five years. So nice. I don't know if he signed on for the whole thing or yeah. what. But um, either way, Howie Rose gonna be calling games on the radio for a long time. Howie's the man. Thank you, Howie. I think there. I don't know if he's watching from the plane, but he said he's gonna be tuning in. I don't know if he's watching the replay. So thank you again to Howie. I really look forward to these interviews. I'm gonna try to do more coming up soon, and uh, I read the feedback. So thank you guys for chirping in the comments. I really appreciate it. So how we brought up our road presence and we have a game going up tomorrow at noon on the sevenline.com. So if you want to join us in DC on the 2nd of September, that is Monday. That's a Monday day game because it is Labor Day. We're going to be out there at Nationals Park. We have a little over a thousand tickets. And the cool thing that we're doing for this year is the Nationals we're nice enough to move us down the line a little bit. So we have three sections instead of like eight. So everyone's going to be a lot tighter. The energy is going to be back. It's going to be a fun time. They've been doing their, their, their best to do what they could in years past, but I told them that we're okay to spend a couple more bucks if it means that we're going to be together. So 75 bucks last year was 72, I believe, or 73, but we're getting an extra, extra $5 of concession credit, so it all works out in the end. So $75 a ticket. Go to thesubline.com, pick up your your ticket tomorrow. That is the 3rd of May. If you're listening to this afterwards on a replay, there might be some left. So pop on over and pick up a ticket. We cheer together. We wear the same shirt. You got a patch. If we get there early enough, we'll do a pregame party at the fairgrounds across the street. Hopefully the Mets win, and then it will... We'll, that could be a big game. Well, yeah, definitely a big I mean, game. Look at the way this division is set up, and I know the Phillies are on top at the moment, but it is all close enough and clustered enough to all change by the time we get to Labor Day. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, these should be, I think we expect to be, just very meaningful games. Fingers Even if it's crossed. not for the division, at the very least, you have a wild card on the line. I mean, yeah. this should be fun. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if it felt like 2015, that Labor Day to, series uh, at Nationals Park. You're going to try to come to this one? I I'll think try you said? to come. I'll try to come. You know, you know if I uh, if I don't have work and, and things like that, let's do it, baby. All I right. remember going to DC years ago, and I don't I don't know if it was fairgrounds across the street because from, from what I understand, they've updated around the ballpark, uh-huh. but they just had like asphalt and a parking lot essentially that they put That's like it. a little tent over. And they had cornhole yeah, 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 and yeah, Bud yeah, yeah. Lights, and yeah. it was great. There's two options at the bar. You can get a beer, or you can get a frozen Red Bull vodka. That's it. Oh, yeah. So frozen <laughs> Red Bull vodka. Oh, yeah. That's what I go for. I had, I had How early is this year. game? I mean, it's before. It's 1 o'clock. So, okay. we have to... so, so the Red Bull might come in handy. So the, there's an optional bus if, you're, if you want to take the bus down. We, we leave from City Field super early. And if you don't live close to City Field and you're on the way, there's another pickup spot in New Brunswick, New Jersey. That's all sold separately. So... Wait for those details as they come. But if you want to join us at the game, 75 bucks, purchase your ticket on the sevenline.com. Next person to get through um, will play What's in the Box, presented by our friends at Lumberland. And you guys have been on fire. 
with what's in the no box. one has won a gift card yet. So if you're like if we you, have envelopes and yeah. like it's like any Christmas gift or yeah. a holiday gift, right? 50% I mean, chance. yeah, the envelope is nice. You know, the envelope's gonna have something good in it, but you kind of want a box and getting a thing. And people have been on fire with this. You got a 50-50 shot, and we it's said been this all last the big week, prize though, here. I'd almost prefer. I mean, Lumberland, I, I would be happy with anything I'm getting for free, but the um, the gift certificates are even better because you can go on and buy whatever you want. But every week, someone wins an actual bat mug. So. Give Kev- us a call if Kevin you want Zuckerson said that he um, he went on the site and bought 50 for his daughter's... 50 mugs? For his daughter. His daughter's getting married, and he bought them for like that a bunch is of people. a gigantic uh, yeah. order. He called me earlier, and he's like, just tell them Wait, that... Wait, 50, 5, five zero. 0. That's a ridiculous amount of bat mugs. These things are like 50 bucks each. Yeah, well, he did it. <laughs> Kevin Zuckerson? Yep. No way. Yep. That's balling over there. <laughs> All right. So next person to get through will play What's in the Box. It's very easy. It's one, two, three, or four. Um, another thing I got a shill for on Tuesday, if you're if you're watching the show and not listening afterwards, you'll notice I am wearing a nifty little uh, 1969 t-shirt. And Pete actually said, hey, is this one of your own designs? And it's not. It's it, back in 69. Uh, when the Mets won the World Series, a design was created afterwards that's now in the style guide. And since we have a license with Major League Baseball, we can pick and choose things from the style guide that we want to put on T-shirts. And this happens to be one of them. So go over to sellmine.com. You can check out everything that's available. Actually, not available. Everything that has a coming soon tag will be available on Tuesday at 10 a.m. 10 a.m., why do we do early sales like that? It is because we like to turn around and try to get stuff out the, ne- the same day. So if you live someplace close to New York and you are a one-day transit, you might even have it on Wednesday. So head on over to the sevenline.com. It says coming soon with no details yet for the time, but it will be 10 a.m. for all the new hats, all the new shirts. We're restocking some stuff and also dropping some pins. Uh, so definitely set a alarm for Tuesday at 10 a.m. and um, lock it in. Lock it in. The shirt's nice. I love that Thank shirt. You, it's perfect soft. year for I'm it. Almost positive. year anniversary. You got to be ready. You got to have some swag. I'm almost positive my grandfather had this shirt drinking his Meister Brow and his planter's peanuts watching games on Main Street and flushing. And uh, when I saw that it was available in the style guide, I'm like, we got to bring that that thing back. So. Oh man, we got a familiar voice. He's probably actually, you know, before we even let you talk about uh, what's in the box, Mister Rallyman. Hey, he stood with Vargas. How are you feeling about off. Vargas, yeah. Rallyman? Listen, I stand by Vargas still to this day, and I listen. I want to apologize to Pete. Maybe I was being a little harsh, uh, so my apologies, Pete. We're good, we're but good. still, but still, <laughs> you got to stand by these guys. You stood by him and he he paid it off for one week, but but when you call in next week and he you know maybe didn't go that well, then you're not gonna like me again. Oh, tr- well, you know, dep- listen, it depends on the reaction. Just let's let's ease it up. Things are gonna get better. Everyone was ready to throw Syndergaard, you know, under the bus on his next bad start. And look what happened. I feel much better about the Mets this week than last week, even though they had a losing record this week. I, I thought there were some good big picture things that happened this week. But 
Let's uh, let's right, find Rally out Man. what's in the box. Rallyman, Rallyman, sit tight for one second. All right. Oh. So lumberland.com. <laughs> head on over to lumberland.com. We have a promo code for you guys. If you're ordering fifty bat mugs, you better be getting them at a discount. So imagine he didn't use the code. I, I imagine. Uh. I got I got to call Lumberland and find out. So the code is <laughs> O A time order and then and you forget. forget right? Yeah, you I gotta do that write too. this stuff down. O A B T guys, don't forget. O A B T. It's easy to remember. I would know that one. O A B T. Fifteen percent off lumberland.com. They got awesome bat mugs and they also have a license with MLBPA so you can get your favorite baseball player it's probably a met on the side the signature the name the whole nine and you can get one for free if you play what's in the box which our buddy rally man is about to do so mr rally man we need one two actually did you go to the game today huh did you go to the game today I did not okay. I was in I was in bed resting that's why they didn't uh, rally today it was just one run I, <laughs> it was the one game I should have got to, I tell you that much. It must be nice to be able to rest in the middle of the day at noon. What's that like? <laughs> All right, listen, I'm going to say this before I choose. Okay. And I mean to say this for a long time, Darren. Okay. You've gotten lazy with the what's in the box delivery. I know, I you used to dance. To do it? This is how you do it. It's time for everybody's favorite game. What's in the box? We're recording, That's right? That's amazing. There we go. We're going to play that right, every so, week yeah, I'll now. Just, I'll just save the bite and play it next week. So <laughs> thanks for introducing yourself. Now we're going to give you something for free, thanks to Lumberland. One, two, three, or four, Mr. Rallyman. Oh, I'm going to go. Let's go with three. Let's go with three. Feeling good. Is it a gift card? Finally? No. What the? F- what? Uh, <laughs> again, the streak got, continues. You got the cylindrical box here. MLB Player's Choice. Bat. Oh, that one's New cool. York. Oh. cool. That one's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So this one, if you're not watching, you're listening afterwards. It's it. They also have um, city mugs because they don't have the, the the license with the with the league yet, so they can write the different city names. So this one says New York. It's got a nice little skyline on there, and uh, I'm sure we have your address, Mr. Rallyman. So we will send this out to you tomorrow. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Let's go, Mets and TMA. <laughs> Later, buddy. Well done. Yeah, this dude's got some energy. We, we got some streak going here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to do the share contest next. Um, definitely remember to get on over to the site tomorrow and pick up tickets for D.C. It's going to be a fun one. Maybe make a long weekend out of it down in D.C. The game is on Monday. Going to be a fun time. Lizzie, uh, let me know when you are ready. you got to give me just uh, maybe 15 seconds Okay, to load up. Happy anniversary to my wife again. I'm just uh, trying to get some brownie points here. Take them where you can get them. Yep. Going for a little hibachi. Tomorrow we're going to Cirque at City Fields. Oh, yeah. That's tomorrow, huh? You love that. All right, Lizzie. uh, Let me know when you're ready. Okay. Give me me five seconds. Okay. Darren, uh, I say it every week, but I need a new computer. Yeah, we got (laughs) to get on that. We got to do a lot of things around here. Yeah, we do. Uh, Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. And uh, stop. Uh, Stephanie Lombardo. Is that Stephanie from Jersey? Ooh, I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. And um, Pete, if you can let me know in uno momento, por favor. Stop. Oh, hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Speed it up. You know, you're talking about the computer. Your phone seems to be fine. Let's go here. All right. Stop. All right. Uh, Doc Lackey. Doc Lackey. 
you win. I like people named Doc. And if people don't know what they're winning, it is a free shirt from the Mets. They put in the book shirt. Um, Nicely done. Doc did we hit Stephanie. everything? Did we hit everything this week? Anything well, else you want to talk about? We got the beers, so that's what good. What are you doing this weekend? Anything fun? What am I doing? I've, I'm day by day. I got one month old at home, so everything is day by day. Might do a happy hour tomorrow. You know, happy bring the stroller, fun. hang out a little before the Mets game. We that's did that. uh, that's you know about about as exciting as it gets these days. So I got that doing uh, you know some updates on the fans Saturday night. So whatever, Just you're always hustling, man. Rolling through, it. baby. You can catch Pete on SNY. He got his makeup done on Tuesday night. He looked beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. All right, guys. So listen, do it up big. Make sure you remember, next week, it's probably our first time ever doing a Monday show. I am going away on vacation to celebrate the million holidays we got in this month. So we are doing a Monday show next week. So we're going to basically recap the weekend. Hopefully the Mets sweep out in uh, Milwaukee. That will be nice to talk about. And it's Cinco de Mayo on Sunday. Great. Cinco de Mayo. When I was in my 20s, that was a big deal. Yeah. Now not as much, but it can be a very fun day. All right, guys. So uh, the margarita's going. Yeah, that's what I want—a margarita. Andrew was making fun of me. He's like, "Oh, it's Cinco de Mayo on Sunday," and and I was like, "Eh, whatever." He's like, "Come Sunday, you're gonna ask for a margarita. I'm not gonna give it to you." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. All right, guys, enjoy <laughs> your weekend. Um, hopefully, the Mets take three in Milwaukee, and we have some nice things to talk about on Monday. So, thanks for watching. Thanks to Pete. Thanks to the. Thanks to Howie. Thanks to my wife. Thanks to Lizzie. Thanks to you guys, and we'll see you on Monday. Thank your wife again. Thank my wife again. Thanks, Kelly. You look gorgeous. She's all dolled up. She's got heels on. I'm wearing a freaking T-shirt. We're about to go out to dinner. I'm a mess. All right, guys. <laughs> see you Monday, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye.